was not expecting the introduction, but thank you. Um, you know, we've had lunch with Riley and Courtney a couple times now, and so I just feel like, you know, they're kind of a second family now. Um, so super appreciative of the, of the welcome. Um, and also, I, I said this the last time, but I feel like Courtney has, like maybe she talks to Charlene when I'm not looking, but I feel like whenever she prays, like over the praise set, like she's already given the punchline away of like everything that I'm gonna be preaching about. So like you could like tune out for the next 30 minutes that I'm gonna be joining on for and just have listened to her prayer and like you would have caught the long and the short of everything. And so um, all that to say, like, I love, I love the way that the Holy Spirit just speaks truth at this church. Um, and so I'm so stoked every time I get to come to Perch. It's my second time now. Um, I spoke a few weeks ago on forgiveness. And so want to take a moment to thank Pastor Al, where, wherever he's at, um, for another invite and opportunity to share God's word uh, with you guys this morning. Um, I asked Al, you know, to tell me, hey, man, what do you, what do you want me to talk about? Last time he had a, you guys were going through justice and love that. And uh, he was like, hey, man, just, uh, just preach on whatever you want, quote, end quote. And I was like, that, I like usually when people give me some kind of divining rod to kind of like go in the direction. But he was like, just do, do what you want. And so, uh, yeah, I guess that's what I'll do. And uh, so today we'll be doing an overview on one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I was talking to Riley about it this morning and Riley was like, you know, I don't know a terrible amount about this book. I love when people say that because then the Bible nerd in me is just like, all right, you know, the, the dastardly like rubbing of the hands happen. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I get super nerdy and excited. So um, we're going to be going over one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Judges. So um, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, please go to Judges chapter 2. It's in the Old Testament. It's immediately after the book of Joshua, okay? But before we get started, let's, let's pray and I'll, I'll lead us in a quick prayer, all right? God, um, thank you so much for Perch and thank you for, um, I think, just the, just the quality of believer that you bring here that um, really is welcoming to anybody who lands uh, on this branch whether it be for one Sunday or for, um, for people who are really looking for a place to nest. Um, and God, we pray that you would just bless this church and bless this time that we're about to share your word. Um, I, I not just pray for the people who are in this room, but I pray for the people who are listening online. I also pray for the people who are even um, perhaps just within earshot of my voice, God, that they would hear um, just, the, just the love in your word um, and that they would be that they would be transformed by that, um, that they would come to know you and they would know your goodness. And so, God, we we just uh, sanctify this place right now in this time. Um, Holy Spirit, I invite you and I just ask that you would speak through me, that it would not be my words, but once again, that it would be yours. And so once again, we thank you for this time in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So anyone ever suffered from FOMO? Yes. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, it stands for the fear of missing out, okay? In 2022, I believe that the fear of missing out may be one of the biggest spiritual issues of our time, right? Like, especially since, thanks to the pandemic, 
our fears of missing out have kind of been realized, right? Um, students have missed out on graduations. Couples have missed out on wedding dates. I was uh, reading a, uh, an article somewhere where people who are friends of people who are getting married are begging them to stop. Uh, we hate missing out. And so when that fear, uh, when, when that fear comes, whether it's our knee-jerk reaction for self-soothing or our other knee-jerk response to blame someone, FOMO can lead to some pretty hasty and potentially destructive decisions. Um, you might be surprised then to hear that we have so much to relate to with the Israelites of the Old Testament. They also dealt with some pretty bad FOMO, okay? And, uh, and that fear also drove them to making some pretty self-destructive choices as well. So through today's message, I want us to see that living our lives in fear of missing out and making sure that we don't miss out at any cost actually costs us the life that God is calling each of us to live. I want us to see that when we live God's calling out, he helps us to see that in him, we don't really miss out on anything, at least nothing of substantial importance, okay? So, so what were the FOMO-driven choices that the Israelites were making? Let's, uh, let's read Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. All right, so 11 through 17, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a long passage, so bear with me, okay? Um, okay, so verse 11, it says, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook, which means to abandon, uh, they abandoned the Lord, their God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they abandoned him and served the Baals and the Asherahs. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He had sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders, yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Okay, so what does this gigantic chunk of Bible say? Well, we meet up with the Israelites in our story today immediately after the book of Joshua, where God had helped the Israelites to conquer the promised land. Uh, however, uh, Israel doesn't seem too keen on sticking with God's plan, uh, since they couldn't help but to look to the left and the right at their neighbors. You know, especially when it looked like the neighbors kind of had the full one on how to be uh, successful in the land, okay? They had the recipes for success. They had uh, well-established countries with good crops. They had armies and especially a king, which during that time, that's what, what, that's what made a nation prosperous and that's what made a nation um, successful, right? Everything that Israel wanted, they saw in the neighboring countries that they had. And the most obvious difference that they could see to that recipe of success was that the neighbors worshiped 
different gods, okay? And so although Israel was set apart to worship God, the Lord Yahweh, their desire to be visibly successful like everyone else put them at odds with the one who had provided everything for them up to this point and the one who they were supposed to trust and depend on for all their needs. Does that sound relatable to anyone? I know it sounds plenty relatable to me. In 2022, we live and die by our senses, right? Like, especially if you live in Southern California, which we all do, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to things that we see, hear, smell, taste, and feel, right? But as Christians, we can also get caught up in making sure that we're all watching the same things everyone else is watching, listening to the same things that everyone is listening to, and buying the same things that everyone else is buying, okay? It's only a matter of time before we start to think what everyone else is thinking, believe what everyone else is believing, and start hoping for the same hopes that everyone else hopes for, right? And I don't really think what's being blasted out there is a deeper internal relationship with our Lord and Savior, right? Um, really what's being blasted out there are just like in the Israelites time of old, recipes and life hacks for success and prosperity and security, right? So then how does Israel respond? Do they trust in the Lord or do they follow what their neighbors do? Well, the passage today says that after the Israelites inherited the, pro the promised land from God, they, they enter this vicious cycle that I'm showing you here. And step one, Israel does evil in the sight of God by worshiping other gods, right? Two, the neighboring countries, they bully and they oppress Israel because God allows it, okay? Three, Israel cries out to God for help from their oppressors. They say, God, help us to get out of trouble, okay? Help us to get out of the trouble of our own making. And then four, God sends a deliverance for Israel through a judge. And you'll see that the judge delivers Israel, but we don't call it a cycle for no reason, right? It's because they get back right on it, okay? So Israel repeated this FOMOS-driven cycle 12 times over, right? Talk about people who have a hard time uh, learning their lessons, okay? And each time with the Lord sending a judge to deliver them from their oppressors, and um, Riley has a a slide of all of the names of the judges of Israel, you may find some of them familiar, okay? Now, uh, the cycle wasn't just circular, okay? The book of Judges isn't just about the same cycle 12 times, right? It wasn't just circular, it was a downward spiral. So what that means is the stories and the judges got progressively worse every time. Every single time Israel would give in to their FOMO, their sin and their distance from God would get greater and grander every single time, okay? And this brings us to our last judge of Israel, Samson, okay? Samson. Uh, now, you may know him as the Bible's version of Hercules, uh, strongest man in the Bible. If you guys have remember Samson from... Sunday school, uh, and he was the judge who killed many Philistines 
by literally bringing the roof down on one of their parties, okay? Now, you may then be surprised to know that as judges go, Samson was by far the worst of them, okay? Uh, so sorry to burst some of your bubbles if he was like your Bible hero, okay? I taught the book of Judges one time and one of my Bible study teachers, I used to teach uh, children, and one of my Bible study teachers, after I, after I taught about the book of Samson or the, the story of Samson, came up to me and he was crushed because Samson was his Bible hero. And to figure out that this guy was the worst really kind of like crushed him, okay? And so I had to really, you know, kind of pet his hand and like, whoa, 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 okay? But um, Samson represented the worst of Israel and the worst of the judges, okay? Read with me Judges chapter 13. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. All right, so Samson seemingly blessed before he was even born, right? God sends an angel to speak to his parents and tells him that the child that they are about to miraculously conceive has been a, uh, set apart for the Lord to rescue Israel from its bully, right? Uh, talk about, you know, a, a great blessing before you've even had a chance to earn anything, right? Like it's a great gift. Now, in order to accomplish this great feat and live out God's call, all Samson has to do was live his life under a Nazarite vow, okay? So as a Nazarite, Samson would have to avoid touching anything that was dead, uh, abstain from drinking any kind of alcohol, and never cut his hair. Simple enough? Okay. For all the blessings of like, you will rescue your people from 40 years of oppression. Simple enough, right? Uh, but as I said, by the time we get to Samson, the quality of the judges has seen kind of a steep drop, okay? And he might as well be just like any other Israelite also suffering from FOMO during the book of Judges, okay? Judges chapter 14 says this. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Mm -mm. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me, okay? In another translation of the Bible, he terms it like this. He says, she is right in my eyes, all right? Um, so how many, how many of you guys would, uh, get away with an interaction like this with your, with your parent? Uh, 
I'm 40 years old. I don't think I would uh, get away with uh, having an interaction like that with my dad, uh, even at 40. Uh, is, is he okay? Okay, wonderful. Praise God, all right? Uh, I mean, it's easy to joke that Samson was spoiled and he deserved a slap upside his head, okay? But how many of us dominated by FOMO have also acted impetuously because something is right in our eyes? I don't think it's so hard to relate to. If you own a smartphone, which I do, then you know what I'm talking about, okay? This is a game changer for functioning in the 21st century. I see, you know, one reminder of my age is all the memes that come out about how things used to be. Like when I plotted out my map this morning, all I had to do was beep, boop, beep, and there it was. And I was here in the most expedient amount of time from someplace that's arguably an hour away. Um, but back in the day, you had to print it out. And if you spilled coffee on your directions, well, good luck, you know? Um, so this box that we hold in our pockets, right? Like it's, it's a game changer when it comes to functioning, but it's also probably the greatest tool that our FOMO really latches onto, okay? And it can drive us to do things that, uh, that really look right in our eyes, right? Um, every time you check your friends or an influence Instagram or watch a YouTube video, or see how your ex is doing, uh, you, you could be fueling your FOMO, okay? And that FOMO can cause us to engage in some really compulsive activities. Compulsive meaning we don't want to do them, but we do. So be it purchases that we can't afford. Prime day is coming up, I will raise my hand, okay? Deception of lifestyle. Plenty of people on Instagram, you know, plenty of people on Facebook, if that's even still a thing. People on TikTok, manufactured lifestyles are a thing. Deception is casual, okay? Or maybe even pornography, okay? Um, pornography is FOMO for people who really need intimacy, right? We all need intimacy, right? And we replace that when we have FOMO, the fear of missing out on relationships with cheap things and cheap uh, facsimiles like pornography, right? So though Samson's parents tried to dissuade Samson from trying to marry a girl from the enemy, Samson insists, and it is a decision that would start a cascade of similar choices that looked right in his own eyes. In fact, Samson's insistence on doing things according to what was right in his eyes would cause him eventually to give up his sacred calling as a Nazarite. Okay. On the way to marry the Philistine girl, he would encounter a lion. And if you're familiar with Samson's story, he, uh, he takes the lion and uh, the Lord gives him super strength and he tears this lion from jaw to jaw in half. Super gory. I don't even know why he's ever presented as a Sunday school hero at all, quite, quite honestly. Um, this part of Samson's story was actually meant not to highlight his heroic nature, but it was meant to highlight Samson's first break of his Nazarite vow. Remember, he was not supposed to touch anything that was dead, but in showing off his strength, he kills a lion and touches it. Strike one. Samson also throws a seven-day wedding feast 
where there would have been much celebration, food, games, wine to drink, uh, which the story subtly implies that Samson would also have taken part, right? Who likes to be the person who doesn't have a good time at your own party when everybody else is having a good time? So he probably had wine, strike two. Now, any one of these first two breaks of the Nazarite vow would have been grounds to disqualify Samson from his Nazarite vow. And yet God still worked through him until Samson's eyes and what they saw as right caused him to break uh, his vow for the third and final time, okay? Later in the story, we see that Samson falls in love with another woman named Delilah, and she's able to press Samson for the secret to his super strength, okay? Uh, Judges chapter 16 says this, and we fast forward to when he finally tells Delilah the secret to his strength, right? She presses him three times, and he says, and it says in ver uh, verse 17, so he told her everything. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands, and after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. A great irony was in the price that Samson paid for doing everything that was right in his eyes, right? It was literally, it would literally be his eyes. The Philistines gouge out Samson's eyes and make him into their slave. So that's what Samson gets for his FOMO. Samson never once repents to the Lord, never, never changes his heart's to desire having a relationship of trust with God, much like the people of Israel and maybe even much like us. Um, in the end, he only calls upon God to help him out of his trouble and, that he had gotten himself into because of his FOMO and to get revenge on the Philistines. This is the way that Samson's story unfortunately ends, okay? In chapter 16, later on in the chapter, um, verse 28, it says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And catch this. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Sad story. Tragic story. Right? Unfortunately, Samson's potential for living out God's calling on his life would be terribly stunted by the constant need to satisfy his instant gratification and his FOMO-seeking eyes. In Judges chapter 17, 
and 21, there's a phrase that is repeated twice, right? Uh, they kind of serve as bookends, important reminders for us who are trying to learn a lesson from the book of Judges, right? It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did. Everyone did what was right in his or her own eyes. You know, in fact, uh, this is the sad way that the book of Judges actually ends, okay? And in the end, you know, Samson, who was supposed to be set apart, chosen by God, much like Israel was supposed to be set apart as God's chosen people among all the nations, chose instead just to be like everyone else. Listen, I get it. Okay, most of us don't want to be special or chosen or set apart. Maybe you've seen and experienced your fair share of pain and trauma um, for people who are different or for people who are unique, right? Most of you really desire just to be like everyone else, to blend in by living life the way that everyone else does. You want to be able to go with the flow. Um, no one wants undue attention, and you want to live your lives without missing out. I get it. But can I tell you that there's so much more to living life than what everyone else is doing? Our lives are meant to be much, much more. 2,000 years ago, there was a, there was a dude named Jesus. Okay, you might have heard of him. Taught about the ways that we can live our lives, okay? In John chapter 10, he says this. Says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, meaning us, may have life and have it to the full. Other translation says that he's come so that way we can have life and have it abundantly, okay? Go, going past that, that we can have life and it's one that is rich and satisfying, okay? There are things in our lives that we get involved in because they look right in our eyes and because we don't want to miss out. And those things will steal from our God-given worth, kill our dreams, and destroy our mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and sometimes even physical health be it the weight of importance that we put on social media or our career achievements, you and I both know that sometimes these things do not make us feel like we are alive, okay? As an aside, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that being social is unimportant. I'm certainly not saying that your job is unimportant. They are important, but they're not all important. Jesus said that he came to give us a life that is abundant, a life that is full, a life that is rich, a life that is satisfying, right? That doesn't sound like the life of someone who's missing out. Rather, that sounds like a life where your Father in Heaven gives you what is good for you and helps you either to avoid or to recalibrate the importance that you and I place on things that can potentially steal, kill, and destroy us, right? Because your Father in Heaven loves you, okay? Did you know that? I, I wanna impress that on us today, that our Father in Heaven 
loves us, that he cares for us so deeply. He delights in us, not because of what we do, but rather because of who we are and because of what Jesus did on the cross, if you call him savior. We are our father in heaven's sons and daughters. And so, Perch, uh, you know, I'll close with this. You know, I, I pray that, you know, all of us can remember as God's people that we, we don't need to look very far for our blessings, okay? Um, I know, once again, uh, sometimes I'll look at reels and they're like of like far distant vistas of like mountains with like very clean water and I'm like, I want to be there. Or like, restaurants where um you can like reach down into like a like a koi pond it's like how do you how did you do that where is the structural and engineering integrity to sit you know and eat on top of a lake i don't i don't know but i want to be there right but we don't have to look very far for our blessings brothers and sisters our our eyes aren't very good okay like we we may discern what we think is good in our eyes, but our eyes are not very good and, and they often lead us astray, right? Today in the story, we learned that for Israel, it led them astray 12 times, 12 times. And that we need to place a greater importance and trust in our relationship with Christ than we do in what we see everyone else doing for a life that is abundant, full, rich, and satisfying. Let's pray. Um, I, I, I realized that perhaps, you know, the message lacked some, you know, application, but really this is a heart issue, brothers and sisters. And if you want a life that Jesus is describing, one that is abundant, full, rich, and satisfying, like all we need to do is to start from um, a voice and a desire to the Lord in prayer, right? That's where it starts, the heart and the desire. And so, um, God, we recognize and we confess that you are the only one who can fulfill our deepest needs and desires. God, we also recognize that so often we forget this and we go on our own vicious cycles of FOMO because of the things that look right in our eyes. And so we confess and we repent. So please forgive us and help us to have a desire to enjoy a fuller and more abundant life in you, Lord Jesus. We trust that you will do the greater work in us because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys, gals.